0: what's up guys welcome to deep dive fantasy football the season is upon us let's freaking go if you guys aren't hyped at this point in the week i don't know how to help you because this is releasing on sunday we are four days away four days away from the chiefs texans matchup and seven days away from everyone else so i am stoked I am basically giving you guys my last second adjustments. Um, obviously, there will be some more because by the time I'm recording this, there's still a lot of cuts that are going to happen. So I'll be like doing slight tweaks and whatnot after this podcast is released. But to this point, there's been a lot of things that I've changed. So I'm going to go over that stuff. And I also got a bunch of questions to answer too. But the season is upon us. Let's, you know, not forget that we are right here we made it we finally made it so super excited and um i'm gonna go ahead and start with the what i call the jags debacle so the jaguars what are you doing okay they cut leonard fournette first off first off if he wasn't going to be on the team they should have traded him pre-draft like right after the draft or before the draft they should have traded him they could have at least gotten something the fact that they couldn't get a sixth or seventh is atrocious for somebody that was drafted fourth overall just three, four years ago. So, I mean, that points to bad management. I just wanted to talk about that because, like, geez, the Jags, what are you guys doing? Then you trade Ronnie Han- Harrison, who you just drafted in the third round, safety out of Alabama that I like. I think, you know, he's done all right for the limited time that he's been in the NFL, and you trade him for a fifth. Like, if you're trying to tank. The th- one thing you want to keep on your team is youth. Especially, like, some that you just invested a decent... A decently high pick in. Like, I don't understand how that makes any sense. So, they traded Ronnie Harrison to the Browns. Obviously, they, they lost in Gakwe. Then, you know, now they might cut Didi. They might cut... Cut? Didi Westbrook? And, like, I know a lot of people are, like, starting to get to the point where they don't think he's that good. I still think Didi Westbrook is good. Like... For, in my opinion, I think it's DJ Chark, obviously. That's their guy, DJ Chark. And then LaVisca and Didi are like two and three. <clears throat> Excuse me. Two and three. Like, how how are you even contemplating cutting Didi? So maybe by the time this is out, they did cut Didi, which is going to be annoying because I'm going to have to adjust them for like the fourth time in the last week, their projections. And um, also... It'll be very interesting to see where he goes. Like, if Didi gets cut, Green Bay should pick him up immediately. Um, So hopefully they don't cut Didi. And honestly, all I can think about with the Jags is please, please do not ruin Trevor Lawrence. Like, don't—I hope Minshew just, like, sticks it to him and makes them so good—or not so good, but wins them, like, two to four games to the point where they can't draft Trevor or Justin if— if, uh, if Minshew can make a way, like find a way to give them the third overall pick or lower or higher, however you want to think about it. Um, that would be sick because honestly, the Jaguars are pissing me off at this point. Um, and with that said, what are the actual adjustments for the Jaguars? So the actual adjustments for the Jaguars, Garden Minshew is going to throw a lot. I was already projecting that. So unfortunately, you know, as as you guys who listen know, if you've been listening to me for a while, I've been preaching Minshew all offseason for fantasy. Now everyone's hopping on our train. So we were like the only guys on the train. We were benefiting. Well, now everyone's hopping on with us. So it's going to be harder to get Minshew at a really good value because now everyone's like, oh, he's definitely going to throw a lot with Leonard Fournette gone. Well, I've been saying that. So hopefully you guys have already done some drafts. So you guys could have capitalized on it because now his value is kind of fading. But Minshew's still going to be really good. I still have him projected higher than other people expect. It's just not going to be as good as a value. And then I did move Chark up a bit, though, with Fournette gone. Because the the two the two main things I did when they cut Fournette was I bumped Chark's targets, even though I kept the total pass attempts the same because I was already projecting a lot for Minshew. I bumped up Chark's, Char, Chark's targets and also Chris Thompson's. And so Thompson, at this point, I have him at like wide, not wide receiver. He's basically a wide receiver, but I have him at running back like 30, 31. So he's going to be a really good fourth running back, I think, especially in really deep leagues. He's going to be somebody that you can start whenever, he, as long as he's healthy, start every week in the flex. Um, because like I, like we just talked about, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And especially if they cut Didi, that's going to be insane. How many um, targets Chark and Thompson and Visca are going to be getting. So I think that's a good spot. And also... With Josh Oliver on IR, Tyler Eifert's a sneaky play for really deep leagues, too. Then we have the, you know, fallout from Fortnite being cut. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure you guys can imagine my reaction. Um, Fortnite going to the Bucks, Really? Really? Oh, my goodness. Dude, I was on somebody else's podcast while this happened live, and they got my reaction and you can say i was so annoyed because i'm a bucks fan you guys know that like like i understand that they draft or not drafted i I understand they picked up Fournette for the depth and they're basically collecting as much talent as they can to make a super bowl run and it makes sense the running back position is a position highly valued by tom brady and you want to get as many good guys there as you can now the question is and the reason i was annoyed is because i'm a huge rojo guy i think You know, Rojo is much better than people think. He was set for a breakout. My entire process was right for Rojo. Like, everything pointed to him being a great value. And then this happens. Honestly, things like that happen in football. Sometimes you just get unlucky. That's what happened with Rojo, because I truly, truly believe there was no way he did not outdo his ADP before Fournette got signed. Um, Especially because everything was pointing against Vaughn. Like, it didn't seem like anybody in tampa really was seeing anything that they liked from vaughn so all the vaughn was fading and it was basically just rojo and now dare got cut Dare Goomba wale so we have to talk about fournette and rojo how do they compare with each other i honestly think they're going to have a similar workload rojo is going to get the first crack i just wish it wasn't versus new orleans because new orleans has a good defense Granted, Rojo didn't really do that bad against New Orleans. He was just at about four yards per carry versus them last year. So, honestly, he wasn't horrible. And um, I'm hoping, hoping that he can just break one or two big runs week one versus New Orleans and just secure that starting job. So, hopefully you know, Rojo is able to do that, but either way, it's going to be a similar workload. Right now, I have Leonard Fournette projected for more carries. I would not be surprised as long as Rojo does good against the Saints if Rojo ends up, you know, leading the season or being the leader on the season in carries, but I think it's going to be super close, and at this point, they're going to hurt each other a lot, both of them, and then you still have McCoy in the mix for passing downs work, and yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I, I will say, though, because Fournette's not much of a receiver, and I know he had like 70 receptions last year. Don't just look at volume. It's a volume stat. He got all those receptions because they were all checkdowns. It's not a big deal. He's not a good receiver. Um, I think Rojo's probably a better receiving back than Fournette. It's going to be close. But the fact that Dare Ogumba Wale got cut because of the Fournette signing makes it more likely to me that Rojo's on the field for third downs. It's not going to be Vaughn. It's And so it's basically going to be LaShawn McCoy or Rojo. I don't think Fournette's really going to be the receiving back. I don't see that happening in any way, shape, or form. So I think dare being cut might help Rojo's case for receptions. But when it comes to dynasty, I'm buying low on Rojo if you can. Try sending a third rounder out because all it takes is for Rojo to do good week one, week two, and he will keep the job. Everything that the Bucks have been saying all offseason is Rojo, 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 Bruce Arians, after the Leonard Fournette signing said, this is Rojo's backfield, it's his job, and he would have to lose it, which means he's obviously going to get the start, so I think it's worth sending a third-rounder for him. Then we have Adrian Peterson, he was cut. This is similar to the Minshew situation, now you know a value-ruiner for Antonio Gibson, so once again, another player that I have been talking about all offseason that I'm sure you guys have noticed, Antonio Gibson. I've had him inside my top five or inside my top twenty-five. Sorry, running backs for the past three months. Since I did my initial projections for Washington, I had Gibson stated in my top twenty-five running backs. Now he has moved up to my running back. I believe seventeen. Oh, by the way, D J Chark. We were talking about him earlier. He moved right in front of the Seahawks receivers, Laquette and Metcalf, for me uh dj Chark is now my wide receiver 15 up from like 21 and so not only do you have Chark moving up but you also have gibson moving up this kind of ruins his value i was grabbing him everywhere from rounds seven and eight in all my leagues hopefully you guys were doing the same and capitalized on it because now with peterson cut everyone and obviously guys has been gone everyone is on the gibson train and i wish we could kick him off but we can't so that kind of sucks because a bunch of people are gonna be grabbing Gibson really high now. But if he's there in the fifth round, I'll take him. Like I said, he moved up to my running back 17. So in the fifth round, that's still a really good value. He's gonna get carries. Um initially I was like, you know, how many carries is he really gonna get with Adrian Peterson getting cut more than I already had projected? But I went back through things, look at some things, and I did adjust them a little bit. I have Gibson. Around eight carries a game now, so and I only had him at like five and a half before. So that's what I adjusted. I kept his receiving role the same because obviously Adrian Peterson was not affecting that. So aside from Antonio Gibson, who we love, um, we have Love Bryce Love, who clearly moves up. It's we're still not sure if it's going to be him or Barber, but knowing as a Bucks fan like what Barber can do, I feel like if they make the right decision if they go with you know the most talented guy love should be the one who's getting more carries but the one thing about barber which is like one of those things that some coaches just love and it frustrates us as people that you know watch is he's not going to like give you negative yardage so coaches love it but he's also not ever going to do anything crazy where he can give, get you a lot of yardage. He's not going to make any nice plays. He's not going to get you chunk yardage. He's just like a guy that you can you know count on for two to five yards every time. Two to five yards. And some coaches love that. And if that's the case, if that is what Rivera is looking for, in the carries aside from Gibson, because Gibson is that big play guy, then maybe Barber gets more work than Love. But I would rather take my shot on Love because I know what Barber is, and he's not somebody that has a high upside type of uh, potential. Love does. So in the end of drafts, I'm taking Bryce Love. Then I also adjusted the Jets. This has been you know, it's been a little while since this news happened, but I I haven't talked about it. So with Denzel Mims and Brashad Perryman both missing a lot of camp time, combined with the fact that they're new, they're basically both Jets rookies because Perryman has not been on that team and Mims is obviously a rookie. So the fact that they've missed time, it's just pushing more and more and more targets over to the, you know, the guys like Crowder and Herndon, the guys that are definitely going to get targets that already have established chemistry with Sam Darnold. So with that considered, I had to move up Crowder. I had to move up Herndon. And Herndon, man, he moved up a lot, a lot for me. Because not only do we know that those guys are going to get a lot of targets because of Mims and, Paris and Perryman missing camp, but also the fact that they keep losing defensive pieces. They're going to be throwing the ball an insane amount. And Herndon moved up into my top 10 tight ends. He is my tight end nine. He's right behind Jarwin. So him and Jarwin have quickly become my favorite two, like one, two punch tight ends to go at the end of drafts if I completely pump the position. So I love Herndon there. And then Crowder has moved up to my wide receiver 32. I think he's actually back to back with Julian Edelman. I have both of them next to each other, Julian Edelman ahead, but I would probably draft Crowder ahead. I'm not sure. Um, because the fact that, you know, which we're, we were about to talk about, the Patriots just cut Sanu and, you know, uh, cut ties with him. It's going to be tough for Julian Edelman not to get 135, 140 targets. The only thing I think holding Edelman back at this point is the fact that they're going to be a really run-heavy offense, not going to pass a lot. So I love Crowder, love Herndon, and I like Edelman, of course. Then we also need to talk about Justin Jefferson. We need to temper expectations on him and a couple other rookies um another one unfortunately a guy that i love i still love him for dynasty but for this year being d higgins because d higgins has you know not been doing much in camp i believe he's missed some time um i might be wrong on that um but he has been you know he hasn't been doing much to outshine same with aj green actually and i wanted to talk talk about that as well aj green's been limited he hasn't really been participating in in many team drills and stuff he's been doing a lot of personal one-on-one stuff and and you know like taking care of himself and um that's really gonna hurt him and i think at this point aj green is off my draft board because i already wasn't really drafting him because i don't think he's gonna get back to that elite level but the fact that he is not putting in the same amount of time with Burrow that everyone else has been. I know he's been doing stuff on the side with Burrow, like after practice and stuff. But, you know, during the plays and the scrimmages and stuff, he hasn't been getting as much work as he should be getting with a brand new quarterback. So I'm a little bit lower on Higgins, definitely lower on Green at this point. And Auden Tate, I told y'all, I told y'all Auden Tate is that dude. I told you. He has been he has been bawling out with Joe Burrow. I remember like reading a thread that one of their beat reporters uh at a practice on like one of their scrimmages was tweeting. And it was like, first drive. Burrow goes six of six all the way down the field, touchdown, end zone fade, odd and tate. Next drive, three completions, two odd and tate, finishes with a touchdown, two odd and tate, third drive. Two more completions to Auden Tate, and I'm not sure if that one ended with a touchdown to him either. Um, It might have. But Auden Tate has been, like, dominating. I know it's not, like, a great defense that they're practicing against because the Bengals' defense is horrible. But Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd are the two guys that Joe Burrow has a lot of chemistry with that it seems from the start. So Auden Tate is somebody that I hope you guys listened and grabbed him for next to nothing in your dynasty leagues because it's Tate season. It's Tate season. Like, he's not gonna be like crazy for redraft. He's not gonna be like a relevant redraft guy, I don't think, unless AJ Green gets hurt this year. But once Green is gone next year, woo! There's gonna be some fireworks on that offense between Tate Higgins and Boyd. Gotta love it. And then with all that said, those are some of my updates. Those are some of my last, second adjustments. And now I'm gonna go ahead and get to the questions. The first question, I think it's a two parter. Yes, it's a two parter from gulf coast pigskin who are your top three double digit round tight end targets and then his other question is 10 team ppr league 10 team that's important and only four bench spots do you take a second quarterback i'm going to answer that second one real quick no definitely not drafting a second quarterback if it's only a four bench like if it's only a four bench spot a uh, league because that is ridiculous especially if it's 10 team I'm grabbing, in a 10 team, I'm okay taking a higher pick on quarterback, especially like Lamar and Mahomes, Um, especially with, once again, that kind of bench. There's no way I'm drafting a second quarterback. There's going to be plenty of quarterbacks on the waiver. So honestly, you don't even need a great quarterback, but I just like getting as much of an advantage at, you know, positions like quarterback and tight end as I can in 10 team leagues, just because there's a lot of depth for everyone to grab at running back and receiver. So definitely not. Definitely not grabbing a second tight end or a quarterback. Then top three double-digit tight ends, mine, I already t- told you guys two of them, Jarwin and Herndon. They're both in the double digits. The other one is Hawkinson, and I do it in that order. Jarwin, Herndon, Hawkinson. Hawkinson is more of like a potential play because of, you know, his pedigree, how good he is. He can be utilized in many different ways, but I'm really expecting him to be somebody much better next year less so this year but he still has the potential if they just end up going to him a lot to be really good this year and then rich dynasty island he asks who is your favorite redraft trade target that won't help you early but could be a league winner late like aj brown was last year so the key part of this question is that won't help you early so i can't just talk about late round guys that i like because it has to be somebody that's not going to have a good start so there's two people that I think can fit this description really well one of them being Jalen Rager he's hurt right now and you know Deshaun Jackson is there but outside of Deshaun Jackson Alshon is probably still going to be on the pup I actually haven't heard any news about him getting taken off of it yet so with that said once Rager does come back he's going to be one of the main targets And I already loved him as a prospect. I love his landing spot. I love Carson Wentz. I think it's going to be a super high-scoring offense. So Jalen Rager, much like A.J. Brown last year, was I think Jalen Rager can be a league winner down the stretch. So, you know, if it's like we're like week five, week six, Jalen Rager hasn't done much, trade for him, because I think that he will. And then one other guy I think could fit this. He's being drafted higher for sure, uh, much higher than Jalen Rager. But another guy I think is a good you know, answer to this question is Cam Akers, especially because of the news that just came out, which by the way, guys, not worried about at all, um, that Malcolm Brown is going to take first touches. One, if you actually read the report, it's not saying Malcolm Brown is taking the first touch. It says he's like the the person making the report is saying he wouldn't be surprised if Malcolm Brown takes the first touch. And then later it says that him and Akers are going to be fighting each other for the most, clearly the most um, reps. And I also just read something, which, you know, everyone was freaking out. And you guys know that I've been touting Akers all offseason. Um, everyone's been freaking out about the McVeigh comments from like a month and a half ago about, oh, I really like the 49ers, like, scheme of four running backs, blah, 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 blah. I think I'm going to try to implement that. Man, are you guys serious? Like, he's not going to be using four running backs. And recently, I just saw a report that said that I believe it was the running backs coach, maybe it was the offensive coordinator um, saying that Cam Akers is, or not Cam Akers, that they're looking for a lead back. Like, they, they want to have a lead back, and Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown are fighting for that. So, and obviously Cam Akers is the better talent there. So I think Cam Akers is going to definitely win over that job at some point. It might be like Miles Sanders-ish, or it might be a little bit earlier like like Nick Chubb did when Nick Chubb was a rookie. Um, but he's definitely going to be somebody that I think is a top 15 running back or close to it down the stretch. And I think he's going to really help, help you win your leagues. Then we have Andrew. Andrew says, how early is too early to take a victory lap on Jonathan Taylor? His first touchdown week one, or should I wait until his second touchdown? <laughs> and then he sent like an emoji. Um, so here's my rule for victory laps. You got to wait till after week four. That's the quarter mark of the season. You're 25% of the way. Guys, I'm telling you right now, if... Tyler Boyd is a top 12 wide receiver. After week four, I am taking mad victory laps, and I hope you guys take them with me because hopefully, if you're still listening to me to this point, like not to this point in the podcast, just, you know, like through the, the, the past couple months and you've heard all my Tyler Boyd stuff, hopefully you've taken some shots there. So hopefully we can take that victory lap together. But yeah, 25%, the quarter mark of the season, that's when I start taking victory laps. And with all that said, You know that's my rule but we know rules are made to be broken so if Tyler Boyd goes off week one you know I'm taking a victory lap um same thing with Gibson except although like now everybody's on the Gibson train and same with Minshew but now everyone's on the Minshew train like all the guys have been high on so many of them all of a sudden some things have happened and now everyone's high on them which is like super frustrating um but I just went on a tangent next question is Ken Brown he says when a player gets cut or injured there is usually a temptation to pick up the replacement. Do you believe in this strategy or prefer to just stick with the players you drafted? So me, honestly, I know this isn't like a straight answer for you. So, you know, hopefully you still are happy with the answer, but it's player dependent always. It's always player dependent. If the backup that is now gonna see like a starting role is either super talented, or has the lion's share of the workload, then I will pick that person up and drop somebody that has been underperforming. Otherwise, I'll probably just stick with the guys that I have on my roster. Because, you know, when like, let's say, I need to think of an example. Um, If on Johnson got hurt, right? Like last year, if on Johnson got hurt last year, a lot of people were trying to pick up um, his backups. I remember one of them was like, oh my goodness, his name is slipping me right now. Um, it's like Ty something, whatever his name is. Um, Ty Johnson, right? The Lions backups, we didn't know who the backup was going to be. So we didn't see anyone getting like a, a clear lion share workload. Like We didn't see anyone just stepping into this role and picking up all his carries. And also, none of them are super talented. So I kind of stayed away from that backfield. It worked out well for me. And another example, on the opposite side of the spectrum, when Saquon Barkley got hurt, We all knew Wayne Gallman was getting the workload. So he's not the really talented part. He's okay, but he's not really talented. But we knew he was getting the line share workload. So he was somebody that I did pick up. And he had like two or three games where he was like above 15 fantasy points, I think. So he was really good. So you need either the person to be super talented so that once they have that opportunity, when someone goes down, they can win over the touches or also just be super efficient with the the touches that they get. Or somebody that's not that good, but... He's clearly the only guy there to pick up the slack. Then Zach, my boy. Rojo and Fournette and redraft. Who are you drafting first? <sighs> I hate this question. Um, I would say Fournette. It pains me to say that, but all but like if you consider ADP, I'll take Rojo because Rojo's being drafted way later way later, so he's the value. Oh man, I am recording this in the morning and I am not working off much sleep, but I have a really busy day ahead of me so just bear with me and uh then we have mike mike says drake's future in dynasty my man mike i love drake's future outlook i think he's going to get re-signed in arizona especially because kyler's on a rookie deal and a lot of times when quarterbacks on rookie deals you have a little extra money to work with and you can spend it on a luxury position like the running back so i think they're going to do that and if they do he's a top 15 running back for the next three years or so depending on how long the contract is especially because like i know he's been in the league for what is it now like three or four years and some people are like oh that window the running back window ends your prime at like you know year four or five but he hasn't been getting any type of carries to be put and tread on his tires like that so he's he's just getting into his prime right now so i like drake a lot also, if, if you look around the landscape of the NFL right now recently, it seems like we're, we're kind of having a mentality shift because it was like, don't sign running backs. You can't sign running backs, blah, 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 which like I understood it, but I also felt bad for the running backs. But it seems like it's completely shifting now because after McCaffrey got his deal, um, then Derrick Henry got his deal. He's not even like a receiving threat. He got a four year deal. And then Joe Mixon just took a deal. And it seems like Kamara's going to be signing pretty soon here. Um, so like, it seems like all all the running backs are starting to get signed all of a sudden and Arizona has money to play with. Drake is good. He was really good for them last year. They want to keep as much talent as they can around Kyler Murray while he develops. So I definitely think that they're going to pay Drake. And I think, you know, like, it's almost like a foregone conclusion to me that they pay Drake unless like somebody comes and gives them like a crazy trade offer this year and they're doing bad or something which I don't think that's going to happen. So I love Drake a lot for Dynasty, and I think you should draft him. Like when you're drafting him, think about it as if he just signed a deal because once he does, his ADP is going to go up. Then Godfather League asks, who was this year's Lamar Jackson? A, what I mean is a late round ADP player who will be selected in the top 30 the following season. This can go for any any position. So if I remember correctly, Lamar Jackson last year was an 11th round pick. So I'm going to limit myself for this question to double-digit round guys only. So with that said, I'm going to go with names I already mentioned. Jalen Rager, TJ Hawkinson. Jalen Rager is a wide receiver I really like. I liken him to Tyler Lockett, just slightly tougher and like bigger, like bigger, a little bit bigger in his build. And he's in a great offense, has a great quarterback. And then TJ Hawkinson, next year. Kenny Galladay, guess what? Free agent. Marvin Jones, guess what? Free agent. Danny Amendola, guess what? Free agent. Every single person there, except for Quentin Sethis, which is another guy I really like for dynasty purposes. Um, but that's, you know, irregardless of, or like not relevant to this question. Um, TJ Hawkinson is going to be one of the main targets next year, for sure. So I think that if he does good this year, and then all of a sudden either Marvin leaves or Danny Amendola leaves or both, there I don't see them you know, getting rid of Kenny, they're definitely going to keep Kenny. But if it's like Kenny, TJ Hawkinson and Quintus Cephas, I think people are going to be drafting TJ and TJ Hawkinson has a good year this year. I think they're going to be drafting him in the top 30 because he'll have that like that Kittle hype. They're going to be like, yo, he's like the second option there, yada, yada, yada. No. Oh, we got live news right now, boys. We got live news right now. Dang it. Deshaun Watson just signed a four year extension with the Texans oh dude I was hoping you could get out of that organization man I had this dream I guess I could talk about it since it's over now I had this dream as a Bucks fan that Watson was going into his fourth year this year okay we just signed Brady to a two-year deal that Watson did his fourth year there Brady did his first year with Tampa then they take Watson up on his fifth year option on his contract Brady finishes his second year in Tampa. Brady retires. The Bucks signed Deshaun Watson in free agency. But that was just like, I know you guys are like, what? There's no way that's going to happen. You're you're right. It was just a fantasy of mine, okay? And now it's definitely a dead fantasy. But I was hoping Deshaun Watson could go somewhere, like go to the Colts or go to the Saints or go to the Bucks, Like get out of Houston, bro. I love Deshaun Watson. And Houston, your head coach is your GM. Like that's the biggest joke to me like we're talking about jokes in the nfl management side of things i'm talking washington but honestly i think that they might be on up up uptrend right now washington uh jacksonville and houston honestly like i would put houston up there as like third worst maybe you want to throw in the browns um but i i honestly like that some of the moves the browns have made this offseason you know getting jack conklin getting stefanski and I think, I believe in Baker, so I think they'll be on the upswing too. Them and Washington, because I really like Rivera. I don't think he gets enough respect around the league. So with that said, um, I'm going to get back to the question. But Watson's deal was a $160 million deal for four years with 111 guaranteed. So he basically just got paid 40 a year. Guess what? Dak Prescott, buddy, you got to lower your expectations. You're not going to be getting... 45 million you're not going to be getting 40 million if Watson just got 40 million and he's I mean I don't think anybody would say that you're better than Watson. So um if I'm Dak and there's 35 a year on the board and it's pretty much all guaranteed which seems to be where these quarterback contracts are going. I mean Watson just had 111 at 160 guaranteed and what was uh Mahomes wasn't Mahomes like fully guaranteed or something insane. Um so if I'm Dak If you got 35 per year on on the table right now from Dallas, you got to take it, in my opinion. So, Watson's staying in Houston. I guess that that makes things easy for fantasy purposes, because you can just know where he's going to be. You don't have to, um, you know, imagine where he's going to be. But that kind of sucks, because I was hoping he would go somewhere else. I like the guy, and I want him to get some wins, and I don't think he's going to do it in Houston. But with that said, um, yeah, the other guy, sorry, got huge hugely distracted godfather league other guy for me would be Jalen Rager I think he's going to be really good and um you know an offense that's probably going to pass a decent amount their defense is not on a great level yet and they have some teams mainly the Cowboys that they're going to have to you know shoot out against every year I like Rager a lot so if he goes off and he has like a huge like top 12 wide receiver finish not finish but like over like the last six weeks or something. You know, if he has one of those sample sizes that is insanely good, especially cause like if it's at the back half of the season, people don't forget that. And they like to use that and project that into the next season. So if that happens, Rager's gonna be a top 30 pick. Ned, Ned asks, this is a non-fantasy one, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? For me, um, it's pretty close, especially because man, Goblet of Fire, Harry Potter, Goblet of Fire, I think that was the fourth movie. That movie was sick, but I'm gonna go with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings was more consistently good. I, I mean, Harry Potter was always good too, but I, I like Lord of the Rings more. I like the fighting. I like that, just that vibe. And man, give me and it's been a while, so I might say his name wrong. I had to look it up, but I love me some Legolas with the bow and arrow. Oh my goodness, Orlando Bloom, I I think was the the actor who played him. He a uh, sick. I love that character. Um, that was, like, what started my whole bow and arrow, like, love as a kid. Because, like, I can shoot the bow and arrow. I'm pretty good with it. Um, I think that's when it started was because of Lord of the Rings. And then um, Jarrell. I think it's Jarrell. Gerald or Jarrell. Who are some players that used to be sleepers but no longer carry big value based on ADP because of injuries or camp news or hype, etc.? So, kind of people I've talked about already. Ronald Jones, Fournette ruined him, which, I mean, I'm sorry that I've been talking Ronald Jones up, I guess, because, I mean, if you guys bought into that, I guess you could say, oh, Brandon, you steered us wrong. I don't think I did. The process was right. We just got unlucky with the signing. But Rojo's won for sure. And then Gibson, everyone's hopping on the train with us because of Peterson being cut. And Minshew, everyone's hopping on the train with us because Fournette was cut. And all of a sudden, people are realizing how much Minshew is going to have to do. He was going to have to do that whether Fournette was there or not, which is why I've always been high on Minshew this season. And then the last question, rank these people in order as an RB3, round 5 PPR. Mostert, Gibson, Akers. My rank as of now, and actually it was already like this, but I wouldn't have drafted it this way before. Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, Raheem Mostert. So, what do I mean by that thing, by what I just said? I actually had Gibson as my running back 22 and Akers as my 24 before the Peterson news. Like, Gibson has been sitting there. And, um, like, Gibson was my 24, but then Fournette and Rojo both got moved back behind him once they decided to be on the same team So and hurt each other. So, that's what moved Gibson up two spots with Fournette and Rojo dropping backwards. But... Yeah, Gibson was already already ahead of Akers, but I never would have drafted him in front of Acres, even if it was like heads up. Like if, you know, you just threw ADP out the window just because I realized that my projection was a little bit, you know, su- actually not a little bit, super far from the norm. And Akers has more upside than Gibson because of the offense. But at this point, now knowing that Gibson is going to get a lot of carries, I would definitely take Gibson in a straight up, like head-to-head, I would take him in front of Acres, and then I'll take them both in front of Mostert, but it's close. Um, Gibson, there's a like a five-spot gap between him and Akers. Akers and Mostert are like three spots away, so I have them all pretty close, but yeah, that's my order. And that finishes out the questions. So, guys, don't forget about the Thrifty Thursday trick that I told you guys about in one of my episodes, okay? Right now... Go do it right now after I finish telling you what to do. Pause the podcast. Go do it. It's going to help you out, and it could win you your league. Pick up Duke Johnson in any place. Like, if you guys are in any shallow leagues, go pick up Duke Johnson right now. He plays on Thursday, and if David Johnson goes down on Thursday, you have a top 24 running back for the rest of the season for free. If David Johnson doesn't go down, then... Just drop Duke Johnson, okay? Make sure that you're in a league that allows that. Most leagues do. But some leagues, if once a player plays, they don't let you drop him. But right now, drop your kicker. I don't care who your kicker is. And if you have like Justin Tucker or Harrison Butker and you're like, dude, there's no way I'm dropping my kicker, then drop your defense. Drop someone that you, you know, the the worst person on your team, which is probably your kicker or defense. Drop them. Pick up Duke Johnson. Trust me. Trust me. You will not regret it. And we're going to go over this every single week. Whoever's playing on Thursday, you pick up anybody that's available that could see a big role. If somebody goes down and you grab them. And if somebody goes down in that Thursday night game, boom, you beat everybody. You were ahead of the game on the waivers. And you're not having to pick up Duke Johnson for $50 out of your $100 fab. Okay, so do that. And with that said, guys, football is back, baby. Let's go. Let's get it. Um, If you guys want my prediction, I would say that the Chiefs are going to blow out the Texans. The Texans have so many new pieces on offense that they haven't even had preseason to gel with. So I think their offense is going to struggle. Their defense isn't great. And plus, no defense can stop Patrick Mahomes. So I think we're going to see like a 34-17 I think it's going to be a bad one, but I think it's going to be entertaining because we're going to get to watch Clyde. We're going to get to watch David Johnson again. Brandon Cook's in a new place. Will Fuller, what is he going to do without DeAndre Hopkins? Is Deshaun Watson good enough to take over without DeAndre Hopkins there Like as a fantasy player? Is he going to just run more? Is he going to turn into like a Cam Newton type of guy? So there's so much to watch. I'm so excited. Um, make sure you guys, if you like the podcast, drop a rating drop a review it helps me out a lot reach out to any of your friends if you're worried about them you know using the same info as you then reach out to friends that you're not in leagues with but please do that for me you know you reaching out to one person if all of you guys did that doubles my listeners and that keeps me going that you know keeps me pumping out great content for you guys so drop a rating drop a review share with your friends and that's about it football's upon us the season is here I'm excited. Hope you guys are too. And the next time you will be listening to me will be Thursday morning. That's when the next episode's going to release Thursday morning. I'm going to give you guys my favorite guys to start for the week. My favorite DFS plays my survivor pick. Um, I'll make a note of that to make sure I actually remember to say that. Um, but I'm telling you right now, it's probably going to be the Chargers versus the Bengals because you want to take, you know, like teams that you're not like super, super confident in which I think the charts are going to be really good, but they're going to be hard game to game to say if they're going to win or not. But this is the week that I think they're definitely going to win, week one versus a rookie quarterback in an offseason like this and a horrible defense in the Bengals. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to give you guys my favorite plays. I'm going to give you, um, you know, my survivor pick, a bunch of good stuff. And uh, we'll do a, a nice overview on the Thursday night game before it happens. And with that said, this is Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. We'll